3, 2, 1, go. Hello everyone, this is Ashish back over here with another episode of Momentum Podcast. That one podcast that you love a lot. That one podcast that makes your Sunday. And today we are going to talk about all variety of stuff. But this one we are going to dedicate towards two things. One, which is revolving around the topics that you want me to discuss that you have shared to the comment section maybe in the community post or some video i take screenshots i keep it in a folder and whenever it is momentum podcast time I just revolve around that topic it's definitely not a q a session where i just answer the questions but we like to have a discussion and you have a discussion down in the comment section or maybe you can suggest a topic that you want me to talk about and uh, we can just take this one question that is by Sumanta Datta nine days ago. In a podcast with Istro Scientist, you mentioned about the central government rule book written by Swami or something. <laughs> okay. First of all, the Istro Scientist that uh, she's talking about is Sangam. Sangam came on Momentum podcast quite a while ago, around a year more than that. And over there, we talked about the Swami, not something, Swami handbook. I like this question not because of the answer that I'm going to give, but uh, granted this topic, I can revolve around few of the rules and regulations, which are applicable at least for central government jobs. And uh, it is applicable for most of the other government jobs as well. And a lot of times are applicable for jobs in general in India, at least. I could not get it. Can you please give the name and author of the book here, please? All right. I think that I've already done that. So Swami Handbook is something that guides all the rules and regulations for all the central government jobs. So, you know, the both companies that I've worked in, that is Indian Space Research Organization and Baba Atomic Research Center, both were under central government. A lot of times they people confuse it as a PSU. That is public sector undertaking. But there's a difference in between central government and public sector undertaking. Public sector undertaking is partially government and partially private. It will always be more than 50% government. And uh, these PSUs are central government. So that percentage of government is central government, not state government. Okay. A good example would be ONGC or IOC, uh, IOCL right now. Not that sure about it, but BPCL is certainly not a uh, PSU anymore. Uh, there are a lot of PSUs actually. Heavy Engineering Corporation, which is in Ranchi Jharkhand, is also a PSU. But there are companies or organizations like Baba Atomic Research Center, Indian Space Research Organization, DRDO, or Indian Railways. These are all under central government. And when you're looking at Indian Railways uh, or uh, Department of Defense, when they become larger and larger, they are no longer department, they are now ministry. So I just made a mistake over here. It's not Department of Defense, it is Ministry of Defense or it is Ministry of Railways, right? But when you're looking at a little bit smaller scale, for example, Department of Space, that is DOS, under which ISRO comes, or Department of Atomic Energy, under which BAC comes, right? So, when when you're talking about central governments, these are, the employees are regulated by Swami Handbook. And I think that it's a good thing. And I can take some examples over here. Like, when you're going to resign, trust me, your boss is not going to like it. Especially if you have spent like months or years working over there because they invested time to train you and uh, now you want to leave. That means that all of that effort went to zero. Now they'll have to train someone new. Well, they should not not like it because that's the reality of being a boss. People under you will be leaving, especially when they are super young. They're just trying to do better and better in their career. The best way um, it can be done is like getting more and more experience or climbing the ladder maybe go to a better company or maybe go to a company in which you are having more interest towards so but in general your boss or your superiors might not like it and when you when you put a resignation letter down they might not accept it right it has happened multiple times in the surroundings that i've worked in I've resigned twice from a central government job. My my situation was not that bad. Maybe someday I'll talk about it. 
but but situations have gone seriously bad a lot of times so these books are not only to give rules and regulation to you but rules and regulation to your boss a lot of times even in jobs boss thinks that he or she owns the one who is working under them now that's a dictatorship that's not a free company right where where you are there on the basis of merit and you are free to leave whenever you want to go but this book gives clear cut rules that this is how long you can hold a particular employee and these are the situations in which you have to act like this i do a lot of consultancy sessions with a lot of people who are in such situations i've never actually openly discussed these things over here on youtube channels because those are always very focused to one situation like i've had situations in which a person is working in tata steel and now he got selected in bhabha atomic research center and then uh, now this company does not want that has a notice period of maybe let us say 3 months and then brc has a joining which cannot be flexible so these kind of situations are very focused and that is why most of the time uh, these people will have private consultancy you know i have two kinds of consultancy private and the one that you see in talk calls that to like less than 10% of calls get converted into talk call videos uh, but they mostly choose their identity to be to be hidden because of all of these reasons right but let's let's finally talk about it like little bit more openly i think the only time i've talked about it openly was that podcast with sangam that is what is referred over here so there are very strict rules and regulations that you are supposed to follow even your boss is an employee to that organization and a lot of young employees do not know about these things when they are putting a resignation letter down or when they are in a particular company and trying to prepare for another job or another examination or they are planning to leave this particular organization that they are working in right now to anyone who has uh, worked in a government organization at least knows this very well that a lot of times your boss or your seniors or your colleagues will say a lot of things but will give nothing to you in writing or will not give you any like mail confirmation it's because at least in government jobs everything works on paper if it is written it exists if it does not exist it never happened so i've also seen a lot of times cases where an employee has put the resignation letter down and the boss says that i can't take it that really happens and they even say that i cannot relieve you in 3 months maybe in 6 months i'm going to accept your resignation now that's dictatorship you cannot do that on rule book but that person will be in trouble if that person says that in a written mail because that's not in the law so the swami handbook is made for the employees and any time something injustice happening this helps the employees and a lot of things are written for example if you are a temporary employee and you like in the first year you will be in the probation so you're not a permanent employee yet at that time you cannot be held for more than one month that is written in this book and this book gets renewed every year like there will be a 2019 edition there will be a 2020 edition 21 edition like that and even if you are a permanent employee it's written over there you cannot be held for more than 3 months and there are lot of cases in which you can be held and that's for the organization like it's justice for the employees it's justice for the organization so let us say there's some criminal case that is going on on you so you cannot be relieved right because you'll run away then right uh, so the new employees do not understand about these things and i was helped tremendously by the seniors uh, in all the cases where i had to resign like i said my my case was never too terrible but yeah it becomes complicated whenever you are resigning an organization if you do not know well a lot of times people even panic right when when you have a terrible boss so 
a lot of times when your boss says that i cannot relieve you in that situation you are supposed to do everything like professionally right you're supposed to drop a mail and there are also some regulations that let us say you have a boss a and then there's a boss of the boss let us say boss b right then you have to follow hierarchy you cannot do like my boss is a but i'm going to mail to his superior directly no first mail to your boss if he does not respond back which he should on paper he should otherwise he'll be answerable why did not why didn't you not why did you not respond to this particular xyz mail but if he still does not respond you can go to boss b you can actually go up to chairman and you are well within your rights if you're following your hierarchy nobody is responding nobody is considering anything you can go and that's like uh, the the freedom that an employee has so everything is supposed to be fair and everything should be according to the book everything should be done professionally right so uh, the swami handbook helps a lot in such cases if you are finding it troublesome and it works both ways let us say you have a bond in which you are not supposed to leave within three years of service right that was the case with me for department of atomic energy i had signed a bond so you're supposed to pay the bond amount or you're supposed to work over there till you have served the bond terms so i paid the bond amount so i got the resignation in exactly one month i had put the resignation letter down on 2nd of september most likely 2nd of september or 3rd of september and i got relieved on 3rd of october in the evening and they are going to follow it by book like 3rd of september on evening that means on evening you are going to submit your id card and you are going to get your relieving letter that's very important like i've even seen a lot of people who have left their organization like upsc and all they teach in coaching institutes and they are still officially an employee of that company like railways a lot of times upsc other postings and if you have ever been like coaching institutes you know that there are people who have worked in engineering services and they never officially resigned but according to me that relieving letter was very important i did not compromise with it neither in department of atomic energy nor in indian space research organization like i said some of the people were even suggesting me that just walk away and then if things that you are trying to work upon does not work out you can come back actually uh, for central government jobs you can return even after you have been officially relieved and i've even seen that case happening once that i could have returned back to isro i would say around 12 months after i had resigned officially that was possible all you have to do is talk to your boss who was your boss then and then he will talk to maybe dd then director dd stands for deputy director director and if everything is sorted basically if your boss wants you back you can return back and that has happened just a year ago i think to one of my colleagues he resigned and he got some state government job he went over there but he missed the joining date by a day or so so he came back to isro and he got the job back so that also happens so it is super flexible depends but once you have relieved so if you are in bad terms with your boss and he hates your guts then you are on your own but so, so that is very important like you should always be in great terms with your superiors a lot of times you think that i'm resigning so i'm just going to thrash and go away but i i kept on talking to my boss way after i left his row and i'm like super super grateful to him he's a great person Uh, he he taught me a lot he assigned me in good responsible positions i'm super grateful to him and uh, there was once a time when i was applying for uh, phd's and all uh, and uh, he even wrote lors for me so i'm super grateful so you should be in good terms even when you leave now i understand that a lot of times you leave because of your boss <laughs> that happens as well and uh, it's not necessary like if you need if you need lor you can take lor from anyone right but i think that 
you should not be in bad terms but if your boss is an asshole well i cannot say because there are a lot of those as well okay so i think that i have cleared these things since we are just revolving around the topic of government jobs i wanted to discuss this for a long time so back when i was in indian space research organization we had a two months training program uh, that was called isro induction training program and there uh, we were taught a lot of things related to space science and engineering but most importantly in this topic we were taught for a couple of hours about the administration or what you should know as a central government employee and obviously i do not have it written down uh, point by point but few of the most interesting ones that you might not think about are following so being a government employee you cannot talk against the government i might have misquoted few like it's not exactly going like this line by line but you are not supposed to talk against the government the point is fairly simple like please don't don't talk bad about or fall about me when i'm paying your rents so that's the question that we were in a classroom composed of 300 fresh scientists and the person who was talking about these laws to us that's what he said that you cannot talk against the government like i cannot be like this is wrong about the system and this is wrong about this particular department i can't really uh, use slangs and all like go to public and talk talk trash about that government or that organization and uh, there might be grounds of you being relieved or uh, you being put to halt and everyone said the same thing that might be going on in your head oh what happened to freedom of my speech well the argument over there was you still have freedom of speech you can speak all you want you can talk about the government entire day you can start an opposition party but please resign first and this is something that you might not have ever thought about before joining a government organization now i'll tell you one thing like it's not like it is super sensitive like one time you talk against the government and you're relieved it's not like that see one thing is for sure what i've learned it is sorry for that but it's super difficult <laughs> to to get fired from a government job i i don't think i've seen even a single case of a person getting fired from a government job and that includes people who have talked against the system that is going on currently i still remember there was uh, some senior scientist of lpsc who talked a lot of negative things about the current system that was going on lpsc's liquid propulsion system center i just heard about it and it's not like he was fired okay um and you might see a lot of cases like even if you are an is officer uh, you know there is a lot of politics and you you might be needing to deal with politicians if you, even if you go against it's not like you're fired ever you might get transfer or something but that's the maximum right so i would say it's not that sensitive but i asked this question actually in that class like uh, i asked this question after the second point was discussed like uh, you cannot just talk about these negative things even in social media right so even if you're having a facebook account or a youtube account or instagram account then that, those are like grounds that might be considered you might be blacklisted or something but that's a clear cut rule that being a government employee you cannot talk against the government you have freedom of speech but you have to get out of the uh, pay slips that you're getting monthly another one was like you cannot have any other employment so if you're running a business or those things like you you are teaching side by side in some coaching institute that's not allowed that is why i'll tell you something inside a lot of people uh, who who go to coaching institute side by side this is very common in engineering service especially amongst those people who are posted in delhi at least it was in back then a lot of people will be like 9 to 5 working on the weekdays and on the weekends they were coming to coaching institutes to teach they can never get like legally 
that amount of money a lot of times they even used to do this that the money is transferred into some family members bank account or something like that right so that is how it used to work but very soon uh, i know that a lot of uh, these coaching institutes had to tighten it up like they cannot do that anymore otherwise they will be in trouble like why did you send money to someone's xyz's father or mother right so you cannot have income i think uh, the amount of income was maximum of 5000 that you can earn that's it not more than that and that is why my youtube channel was demonetized when i was in isro and uh, i was not doing any paid consultancy and all or i was not running art or speaking back then i was not even doing sponsors no kind of income right so these are the things that you should be aware of these are rules and regulations now you might say that i want my freedom to have multiple incomes well have multiple incomes but don't work in this company that's the law <laughs> right so do i agree with it no i don't think that you should restrict a person a person who would like to have a secondary income finds multiple ways of doing that right and i think to a huge extent that is even applicable if you are having houses that you are putting in rent i do not know to what extent but i'm pretty sure most people the way that they are doing it i don't think that it will be super acceptable if you go to the administrator uh, administration people and ask them can i do this they're mostly going to say no according to the law over here or rules or regulation that is over here but people always find a way around it right people do all sorts of things the the main idea that is their defense is that i want you to work for me and rest of the time i want you to take rest so that you are at your full potential the next morning right uh, but i think that there should always be freedom but then again i'm not running a company so i don't know but oh sorry i am kind of running a company and uh, all the editors and web developers and uh, graphic designers that i've ever paid to make content for me or to help me fast in the process i've clearly mentioned it even in their contracts that you're free to work with anyone else as well i think the moment when you start restricting people uh, that's the moment where uh, they feel frustrated right so different philosophies maybe when the organizations become bigger and bigger it might be different but these are few things that you might not have thought about of government jobs and uh, most people don't bother having like a secondary income because they get paid sufficiently well they have a lot of health benefits and uh, they get allowances which are great they have good work life balance so i've talked about work life balance in the last one i think so you might want to go and check that out but yeah this is the topic which revolves around that swami handbook maybe i want to discuss few more things having the experience of working in those organizations maybe you can put it down in the comment section i'll discuss in the next one okay next one uh let me have water first don't want to be past mouth when i'm discussing i got it okay hello there bhaiya actually my question is that i'm going to start my college soon can you give me some advice on what to do during my first year of college and also a second year second question okay i don't know about my passion till now i am just going doing btech for the sake of not safety can you please okay whatever that means you do not know about your passion have a great day i'm having a i already had a great day it's pretty late but okay i got your point <laughs> all right so these are basically two different questions okay a first year college students what they should be doing see it is important college is important and it is important to know how you play college and i've had college life multiple times and based on that i've had multiple trials and errors and seen what works and what does not work now question for a lot of indian engineering students would be should i start gate preparation in the first year itself that's a no okay don't prepare for gate examination in first year wait till second year that's it i'm going to end that quickly now 
other thing in first year number one thing that you should be focusing on not 100% of time but you should take it seriously that you should maintain a good cgpa that cgpa is important i've seen so many people enjoying a lot in first year and that momentum continues so what i've seen in general is that a person who does not perform well in first semester cgpa wise mostly degrades the cgpa later as well and ultimately sometimes it gets very bad to the point that you are getting a year back or something or bad enough so that you are not eligible for a lot of companies but if you manage the first two semesters well getting good cgpa not only it boosts you that cg getting cgpa is easy but also that high cgpa even if it degrades later on because of let us say your extracurricular activities or some skill that you are trying to develop which is taking some time consuming some time or maybe later on during the placements then it is average is still going to stay high so for that reason cgpa should be decent now i'm not saying that be that nerd and spend time all day in library and i'm saying that after i've done that okay i was a third position bronze medalist in my college cgpa 9.57 but i could have gotten a lot out of college if i did not spend so much time building my cgpa that was way too high kind of unnecessary eight and all will do but still i'm happy that i brought that momentum of scoring good marks because the first year is that if you learn how to score marks that's kind of how it works in the second year third year as well so you basically know how to score marks in semester examination what do you have to do go through previous year question or get notes from seniors or uh, understand how to score marks in this particular subject and uh, you kind of get an idea how you can get marks so if you done that well in first and second semester or basically first year in second year or third year also it becomes super easy for you to score marks on the contrary it becomes super difficult if you have not done that in the first year or worse if you are having like backlogs getting piled up some people call it kt but you get you basically failed in a subject so that tension gets carried and then you have to study extra to clear that subject right later on so it is important that you maintain a decent cgpa so that's one thing and that will not involve like 80% of your time in college just be serious in classes revise your notes that same day whatever you have studied and study little bit extra during the examination or one week before the examination that's it few things that i did not do during my undergraduation that i wish that i would have done is network more because college is that kind of place where you find connections in the domain that you are interested in and you meet all sorts of people until high school you are growing up in the same place with other people who also grew up in the same place but college is a place where people from different parts of the country sometimes different part of the world come over there and you make connections you make uh, friends yes that's true the friends you, that you make in college last the longest in your life i believe school friends are great but college friends last even longer because you are in that situation where you are spending the entire day now another thing is that a lot of people kind of miss college and i met a lot of those as well in my life who who miss college because they never lived in hostel they kind of were doing their up and down staying at their home so that college is basically continuation of a school i would say that if you have an option always choose living in hostel because you really learn a lot of things and being on your own is one thing that you should experience as early as possible and now coming back to that yeah make connections try to talk to new and new people a lot of times people do this uh, groupism kind of thing that they are only going to spend time with people who are from the place where they grew up like this happened in my college as well so i studied in sikkim manipal institute of technology okay now over there it was very common to see like boys and girls from delhi will stick together and then boys and girls from bihar will stick together and let us say boys from south southern india will stick together and that's their group right but you are going to be more multicultural and diverse if you just 
talk to other people as well and most people just talk to other people just when they need them but you should be spending time with them making more connections over there as well now that's my suggestion to those people who are like freshers in college the other thing that i would definitely 100% emphasize on is that you should become better at speaking you should be- become better in communication because that's another method of improving your connections the more you are able to communicate and talk the better you are going to be making connections the more connections you are going to be making and not only connections with your batchmates but also your seniors that's also very important see the dumbest senior will still beat you in experience knows more about the situation or surrounding that you are in right now that's another thing that most of the college students do not focus on now there used to be a thing called ragging now i do not support ragging and do not support bullying as well but that had one thing good in it that it got the seniors and juniors connected and by the time i got into college uh, there was huge anti ragging campaign already going on so the seniors were super terrified of even talking to juniors now that's not good and that's the thing about the college that i went to there were not much connections in between seniors and juniors and uh, when that happens well who's going to show you the way because teachers are here to teach you but the seniors are here to teach you how you're supposed to get jobs a lot of times your senior is going to be working in a particular company and he can actually be a referral to you or uh, this happens a lot in gate examinations as well like your senior cracked gate examination now he can show you the way you do not have to be relying on a random youtuber with the name of top 4712 telling you how to do monthly <laughs> parallel revision and cyclic revisions right so seniors are very important you should definitely try to get more connected but yeah be safe because some seniors are straight up like <laughs> they are going to i think that ragging is still pretty dominant in certain colleges right Uh, but yeah that would be my advice if you find good seniors definitely try to get connections and uh, they can show you the way even better how to develop more careers or what jobs you should be applying what skills you should be learning based on your interest so after that when i got into ba as a training school that's the first thing that i started to do i started to hang out with seniors talking to them so that they can tell me what's going to happen because you might think that you are super smart and i know what's going to happen i'm going to prepare for that but when that really happens you're surprised right so that's what is said right smart people learn from the experiences of others that's another tip that i would be giving to a fresher so in general good cgpa uh, make more friends make more connections talk to seniors focus in your communication skills if you're not good in spoken english well it's a good time to start learning there are a lot of people even from like uh, non english medium schools who got got to college and find a tough time even attending lectures you need to work a little bit extra because but this is one thing that you cannot escape you will have to be spending time in learning that language because all your interviews by the time you're in fifth semester or seventh semester is going to be that and uh, in that language and especially in india every company is going to want you to be super fluent in english or the more fluent the better okay all right for that you might join art of speaking but even if you don't definitely start putting time and energy into that we have got another good good question over here what is the future of research and development in india whether india would invest in r&d activities promoting higher studies or still there would be legacy of government jobs after which youngsters are devoting their crucial output years for preparation yeah that's that's a very good question oren calls that's a alias name i'm sure about that let's discuss this let's discuss this and basically i'm just going to share my opinion now what has india done to improve research output of this country let's think about it well number one thing that comes into my mind is the pmrf program that is prime minister research fellowship and that's a really really good initiative i think that that kept a lot of smart brains in india otherwise they would have gotten abroad anshuman was here multiple times he explained pmrf programs very well 
it's still going on although there are some changes that you should now already be enlisted or enrolled in phd for you to pursue that if you do not know what is pmr program i'm just going to give you a quick one so generally if you want to do phd from let us say iits you would be paid thirty-one thousand of stipend every month but pmr pays you somewhere close to seventy-five thousand rupees of stipend every month and on that there are surplus allowances as well i think anshuman was talking about somewhere close to rupees 4 lakh that he has to invest in just getting equipments like laptops and all so that's almost like a psu job right and also you are paid that much to if you're passionate about your research you're paid that much to do what you're passionate about so that's great that's one initiative that i can think about that india did great to keep the brain of india in india the other thing of india is some some of the organizations that has been going on since 1950s or 1960s and few that you can think of are indian space research organization or uh, um, yeah department of atomic energy that is bhabha atomic research center or drdo i do not know much about drdo so i do not want to get over there but i think isro and bark are doing good job of giving a comfortable life to their scientists obviously it is very debatable in a lot of situation and we can keep on going on about this and you can let me know any counter things that are coming down some might be saying that pay is not as much but it's all right it's, it's not bad it's decent it's more than what average engineers of this country are earning i think we discussed it um, four to five episodes back that that is like three percent of engineering jobs in india what these organizations are paying you like above eight lakh of package a year so so they are doing good job when it comes to uh, polishing the brains of this country and apart from that there are other few programs like tfr you can think about the iits iits are doing great now there was a situation a couple of months ago where a student who was getting an mtech in iit bombay and an ms in some university of california and i still remember he chose to stay and do his masters in iit bombay and and his argument was that us is overhyped and uh, you can have a good life in india as well you can get good placements in india as well so yeah makes sense now that is debatable obviously but what i'm trying to show over here is that there are people who are trying to stick with india's higher studies program or research program right but i am going to finally get to this question like what is the future of research and development in india now all the things that i've talked about when it comes to research and development that's pretty much it if you're talking about core engineering research so we got iits and then we got some research organizations and that's it and we do not have a lot of industries which are heavily focusing on developing something new the first time i got to america there was a picture of america that i saw that i had never been told about when we talk about as indians about america we always talk about oh hollywood or the life is great people earn a lot and uh, it is having the most dominant currency in this world and yeah these are the things that we talk about nobody talks about the industrial giant that united states of america is and you can see it all around america i have no idea how i was never told this you see the mass production that has been going on in america for decades and sometimes like you can think about a century the roads are made so that you transport as much as possible that trucks are huge you are never going to see that large amount large size trucks in india and that huge amount of transportation and that shows the industry large like big barrels and big uh, what do you call trolleys of uh, any good what does it show like how much you are producing right so 
yeah india is great in production as well most of the industry in india is in production but when it comes to research and developing something new name one organization which is doing something new for example you can automatically pick tesla of america that they started focusing on something new that is electric cars before spacex came or blue origin came um there was no private space organization later what was it virgin yeah i think they are uk based they also started doing space exploration things or building rockets on their own they had that special one where only the upper stage is going to be launched and upper stage is going to be carried by a giant plane so they are doing a lot of innovative things but i do not see an industry in india which is doing something which has not been done by other countries now hear me out before you get to any judgment and i would love to know your opinions as well every time there's a country which is having the dominant currency or a country which is at the top of the world that country is the most dominant country and also that country is the most innovative country for example there was a time even before british british empire was at the top of the world that was the dutch empire and the entire naval ship building they were the inventors of them that whole industry they supplied they exported they made the technology because when you are at the top of the world you have the luxury and comfort to innovate and also if you are the best who are you going to copy from so you are going to create so whoever like this is what they say that whoever sets the world order they are always the most inventive and uh, what happened with the dutch empire was that dutch empire were create having a lot of ship builders and they exported all of this uh, final products all across the world and they were the main manufacturers and when that happens you are the dominant currency what happens is that people over there become richer and now they are expecting more money to be paid to do their job and there's always going to be a second com- country nearby whose people would be like okay pay me less and i'll do the same job because the technology is already out there so that's when the britishers started taking all of those contracts uh, which which uh, they they are working for lesser amount of pay and they then became the dominant of uh, ship building so after that also the britishers dominated a large portion of the world they had colonies all across and then industrial revolution came and there now we are at a time where america is the dominant one so whoever is the most dominant one they are going to be the most creative one because see you will always try to say that yeah make your own technology make your own rocket engines make your own tanks make your own missiles make your own satellites but it is always cheaper to make something that has already already been made for example isro's uh, vikas engine is following the same concepts or structure or design of french viking engine right now you would say that why did not india build from scratch well you will be investing much more money and the technology is already out there the only country that properly created their own nuclear bomb was united states of america i'll get to it later like but every other country the second country that created it was at that time ussr but there has been few stories that the secrets of project manhattan was leaked to russia kgb was doing great job at that time and then based on that russians created and then russia shared some of its technology with china based on which china was able to create the atom bomb it was like i don't want to get into detail story at the, at that time mao zedong was the main leader in china and there was a separation with russia and they continued most of the most of the work on their own later but that's how it went uh and then france a uh, uk uk got it from america so that's again the same technology france had to mainly do it on their own because there there is there is a policy that united states of america follows and that is called no first strike 
So America says that we are never going to launch a nuclear weapon first. That's in their doctrine. They are not going to, yeah, go out of their way. And it was asking France, France, if we are going to give you the nuclear technology, then you will have to follow this as well. But France, looking at its ge geography, looks at if Russia starts invading and reaching Germany and all, I will be launching the nuclear weapon first, even if Russia does not. So this was all in the 1950s, right? They are looking, they don't know if another world war is going to happen. The first world war was in 1919. The second one was in, sorry, first world war ended, ended in 1918 or so. And the second one started again in 1939. And who knows when the third world war is going to be over there. So that was the idea. No, I, I cannot follow the first and uh, no first strike because if Russia starts invading, by the way, if you do not know, that's what Tsar already did in the Napoleonic Wars. Tsar was in France. He, he reached Paris. So that is very possible. Hitler was not the first one to invade France. So uh, they had to create their own technology of nuclear weapons. So they kind of had a parallel route. And uh, oh, where, where did I get over here? So what I'm saying is that it is easier to copy a technology. It is always more profitable. So a country who is who is a little bit behind in technology is not the innovator, right? So coming back to the point, if you look at the situation of India, we are not seeing a lot of like innovation because of the reasons that i've discussed over here and india is like a manufacturing hub mostly i still remember i was having a four-month internship in tata cummins and tata cummins produces like 80 percent of the six-cylinder engines used in tata trucks and tata cummins does production over here the designs and all are made in america cummins is a us-based company and you can see it easily when you look at the engineering drawings that I saw of engines over there. They were all in uh, Western standard. So India follows the first angle projection and America follows the third angle projection. Mechanical engineers would be able to understand. And the drawings were in third angle projection, not in first angle projection. The designs were all made in America. They are producing a lot in India. So we cannot just say oh india is not in the forefront of innovation well you can't really expect that right like isro has done a great job but it has never done anything first don't you say that oh it sent it sent <laughs> it was the first country to send uh mangalyan on mars in first attempt don't say those things because it was not the first uh, space organization to reach mars okay it was also not the first space organization to reach the orbit. It was not the first. It is still not an organization which has uh, spent a person on space or even an orbit. Gaganyan is coming up. Don't know when. But there's a benefit of not doing things first. You learn from the mistakes of others, which we need to talk about. Okay. So where what is the future of research and development in India? Well, as India starts growing economically and India becomes like a powerful nation more and more, more and more innovations are automatically be over there, right? For example, you can look at it. China is doing a lot of innovations. China is has already started working on uh, placing its own, own space station, right? And ISS is going to retire pretty soon in future. So China is going to be super dominant over there, right? So... Uh, also, China is creating its own like fighter jets, which it is even exporting. Maybe a lot will argue that a lot of those technologies are copied from some other country. But if you look at a country's technology, this is how it works. The dominant countries, they innovate and the countries which are following up, it is better for them to just copy technology. And because you are in a race which is unfair, so you will have to you'll have to run faster now how do you run faster than a country which is already more powerful 
well you cannot play it super fair a lot of times this might be a problem as well because now the countries which are richer and already has the technology will sell you that technology and it is always going to be costlier than it would be to produce that technology on your own right and that is why india has started working on its own fighter jets i don't think india still has a tank that is made in india i might be wrong in that maybe they have started but there are a lot of uh, even defense uh, defense uh, what do you call stuff in defense which it still imports right so that's what i think about research and development india right now is strong when it comes to production but research and development it will have to spend more more money that's it and that's what is the problem for developing countries it is already not as rich and then r&d involves a lot of investment like you will have to give millions and millions of dollars to a research organization and accept the fact that there might be no results out of it right and that's only something that rich countries can do well so you'll have to think about it i would i would love to know your opinions these are just my opinions what i think about how things work when it comes to r&d of a country but i have worked in two research organization okay so i think that i would be having more experience than most and let's let's little bit talk about that so what are the research areas of bhava atomic research center so yeah when it comes to nuclear i think india is doing something that no other country is doing and that is trying to make thorium based reactors and the reason why india is doing that and no other country is doing that is because india has abundance of thorium and there are not much countries which is having abundance of thorium a lot of countries are using uranium for for their nuclear reactors right so india has to do that if india is able to create thorium based reactors we basically got a very sustainable country when it comes to energy so india is working i have never touched that part of research in my time in bhava atomic research center but yeah that would be uh, that would be one place where india is at forefront but thorium based reactor is actually third stage and india is still operational in the first stage the second stage is plutonium based reactors and uh, they have not gotten it commercialized yet so it's a little bit far behind i think we are decades away from that but yeah if you if you look at that picture actually this this whole idea of nuclear sustainable energy in india was given by dr homi bhaba and he made this three stage program the first stage which is right now operational those are the npcl power plants the second stage is uh, plutonium based and uh, they are the bhavani bhavani would be the commercial arm of the second stage reactors and uh, the third stage is the thorium based that is still in the research phase right uh yeah so that was something that was talked about somewhere around 70 years ago and we are still to make it happen right okay uh, let's talk about space research and where we are right now yeah so we are actually behind forget about invention if i talk about it openly and this is just facts all right this is what we are right now uh we are still not having a semi cryo engine although i'm super happy that there are uh, private space organizations now which can help isro like there skyroot there agnicol and i think which one was that skyroot no agnicol yeah i think agnicol has been doing great job in creating semi cryo engines i do not know how much it has come to fruition by now but other than that if i talk about isro uh, we are still using an engine uh, that is vikas engine mostly uh, that isa abandoned decades ago that that is like a better version of viking engine they upgraded it a lot they increased the thrust it is definitely very robust engine but that's it and the next one is like semi uh, sorry cryogenic engines india has its own endogenous one but let's let's look at like other other space organizations are already working in reusable launch vehicles so and uh, even compare today's launch vehicles to what nasa had 
when it was working with apollo missions so we are not close right so yeah you do not do inventions when you're already lagging behind okay yeah that's what i think if if there's a region in which india is really leading when it comes to research now i'm talking only in the terms of engineering right there might be some other fields like maybe semiconductors or i don't know maybe medical may there might be fields right that i was not aware of then you can let me know down in the comment section and i'll gladly even spend time to research it and talk about it openly over here right and i had this idea and let me know if i should put more time into it like i want to study industries in general some of you have you ever thought about it like germany was ruined by the end of world war to completely destroyed but still why is it leading industrially like as far as what i know the metro trains in delhi are made in germany because i know this because i was traveling in a metro train and there was a poster that because to to meet the deadlines we airlifted a metro engine metro train engine from germany so obviously it is coming from there the reason is that germany had its industrial revolution in the late 1800s itself and it was already an industrial joint you can destroy a country you can destroy its economy but it has the technology it has that industrialization it has the engineers who made it so it's going to be easy for them to pop back up same goes with japan japan was destroyed in world war 2 but it is still great industrially like they are innovating like crazy they they have made bullet trains so why are they so advanced uh, in the same time in the 1940s india was not destroyed right india it was not like cities of india's were bombarded so like they flattened out dresden in a similar manner they they destroyed with carpet bombing some cities in india no so that is what i was wondering that it is important to look at industrial history of these countries like why are they advanced and when i when i started visiting cities in america that's what i saw that all all the products that you see over here are mostly made over here like you see if you look at it like cars around what cars are people over here driving oh, they are driving cars by ford they are driving cars by general motors yeah there are few hondas every now and sorry hondas every now and then and uh, other than that they are driving cars by tesla so it is very important that a country's consumer based a consumer base is from the factories of that country right and that is because it has like a long century long history of industrialization it got time to develop so i wanted to study these industries i wanted to study companies like bmw that that was made by nazi nazi uh, nazi government at that time they made they called it volkswagen uh, the other company volkswagen volks basically volkswagen was like people's car and that was the whole idea made by nazi germany that german people need a german car so volkswagen is going to help us do that and that volkswagen also helped a lot of uh, like military automobiles and trucks and all so i wanted to study that spend some time to understand how different countries industrialized so when you're looking like uh, what mr messi uh, who who made the aircrafts japanese aircraft of world war 2 let me let me just confirm uh, in a similar manner if you if you look at rolls royce rolls royce made engines that were used in spitfire right the the fighter aircrafts of second world war of of britain right so let me just see zero fighter jet japan what was that company that made it mm, yeah mr mitsubishi yeah it's difficult to pronounce but you might look at oh mitsubishi makes fantastic cars these days but 
it has such a large history right it got time to fail it got time to learn from its failures it got time to research and innovate and now it is making world class cars and is exporting all around right uh, same goes with like companies like bmw or ferrari or porsche or uh, or ford ford uh, ford or you can look at general motors so you have to look at the history of things to understand how industry of a particular country is working or to understand why they are so dominant all right guys i'm going to end it over here sorry i did not discuss a lot of questions but we discussed a lot of things and put down your opinions down in the comment section momentum podcast that one place for you to enhance your career and also art of speaking courses going on something else that is going to help you enhance your career link will be down in the description box if you want to improve your communication skills in spoken english and see you again next week till then bye